Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good luck. This evening's Dharma talk is on the topic of uh, Krishanti, Krishanti Paramita, which is uh, the third one of patience. And I was asked by, I think it was Jessica, asked me to talk about the Paramitas. So I've been trying to do that. Lots of material out there on uh, the six Paramitas or transcendent actions, transcendent understandings, transcendent uh, transcendent qualities. Take your pick. So the conventional idea of patience, of course, is uh, or Kashanti is a uh, just put up with it, wait for it, uh, waiting, waiting for something to happen. Um, also having patience with, with people who are uh, causing us difficulty or suffering, not immediately responding with some kind of aggression. So kind of um, um, a lack of uh, conventionally talked about, it's talked about as the conventional uh, lack of uh, anger or antipathy to someone who is creating problems for you. It could show up in so many different ways. So conventional uh, idea of patience is kind of waiting and, and kind of giving somebody the benefit of the doubt and giving a break and seeing that that person or that situation is arising because of uh, something uh, you're not able to control. And so uh, quite often the, what happens with um, a lack of the more mundane form of patience is we get irritated, we get angry with that. So anger is uh, shows up in that area. And this is a, it's a difficult uh, situation to talk about it because it's, it's hard not to say, well, just be patient. We hear that. Well, can't you just be more patient? I wish I could be more patient. And then, of course, this is a transcendent. We're talking about the Kashanti or the transcendent form. Probably going to have to start out by being conventionally patient, like waiting in the doctor's office. I've already been here 45 minutes, and I saw them. They got here late, and they went in first. You know what that's like. A little bit of anger comes up. Not much. You don't stomp around or beat on the, the magazine rack. <clears throat> but it seems to be a, a, a discipline and a kind of, uh, you could even say, uh, uh, conceptual or intellectual or uh, a flexibility in the thinking process because the thinking process is, uh, is immediately drawn into any situation that's occurring. We immediately start thinking about it. This should happen. That's happening. This is not happening. I should have got, I shouldn't have, this shouldn't have happened. I need to have more control or more say so, or I need to speak to somebody. You all know what I'm saying. So it seems to be, uh, and, and I'm getting some help from, uh, uh in, uh, uh, Bodhisattva Bhumi uh, of uh, commentary by Asanga. At least we it's uh, attributed to him that it is a non-inferential understanding, deep non-inferential understanding of what is happening, where one begins to go beyond uh, so-called proof or facts or evidence about something what, without really abandoning your intellect and just going into the spaciousness of it and trying to be, trying to present yourself as being open, present yourself. It's actually an understanding of this. The fancy word uh, for this kind of uh, transcendental form of patience is um I have to read it since I can't remember it. Anupadika dharmak santi, dharmak shanti. Anupadika means that something you've already, you're already patient. Nothing, the, the situation has not even arisen and the patience is already the case. That ability to um, to have a kind of stillness where uh, 
one is beginning to understand the the nature of of uh, emptiness uh, that begins to go beyond the the blaming or considerations about cause and effect. Uh, we we quite often gather that up as our weapon or as our proof that we have a right to be impatient or angry or upset or why didn't they do that? They said they would do that. They're not doing it. So we come back to the more mundane kind of patients, and we might find ourselves in there uh, a lot of the time. But the transcendent form is being talked about here as a third of the six paramitas or transcendent actions, transcendent understandings, transcendent the attitudes that go beyond a relative situation is uh, already patient, already uh, I wouldn't say content because that's a, more of a state of mind rather than mind itself. So it's already there you, before you've even been disturbed in such a way as to cause uh, the conventional idea of impatience to arise already. This is what this Sanskrit word, Anutpadika Dharmakshanti, Dharmakshanti. I know I looked it up. So... Uh, I don't how, know how it was described there. I can't recall that exactly, but it's it is a is a quality that begins to arise as a uh, as one uh, works with the idea of emptiness and with the what the fancy word there is soteriological idea that one begins to understand not just a concept of something being empty of our projections of it, but it's empty of the of the projector that there's no one actually there. There's no quality. There is a, of course, your body, speech, mind, that whole complex is there, but it is not a separate being. So there's no one to actually be conventionally impatient. Until that begins to arise, then we may have to rely on conventional, the conventional way of, of being, uh, shall we say, perturbed, but imperturbable. Um, It's a, I think it's a kind of because the intellect gets so fired up uh, with anger. That's that's the the quality of anger. It ha quite often has a lot of tail feathers that that are burning, and it's that kind. And those are are concepts that are pushing us in the area of wanting to explode. It needs to be seen with the awareness. We need to actually see this with the awareness, without elaboration, without fighting it, without twisting it into something that fits our own program. So the conventional idea of patience would be that, okay, we're going to be okay. We'll just let it go. We'll, we'll forgive them or we'll forgive the situation. You know, or we'll, whereas the, the, more uh, transcendent form, the kind of kashanti that is pointed to here is more about not getting rid of anything, not particularly changing something or uh, transforming into something else. It's rather uh, uh, patience that's already the case. There's already that openness before the distressing situation of of uh, some kind of suffering coming your way brought on by someone else or uh, uh, disappointment or or actual pain brought on by other situations that one is already um, has the, the kind of appreciation or spacious or spaciousness is already the case. Could have some questions about this. Cheers, I'm bowing. Um, what is patience when you're not waiting for anything, bowing? So I think the, the way uh, the way it's being characterized, or the way I'm characterizing it here, is that it's already present. You're already here. Instead of there's something else has to happen. I'm not sure, you know, if my response is uh, uh, is meeting your question uh, as it's uh, being asked, as you're inquiring. You want to go a little further? I'll try to go a little further with it. 
He's on buy. I'm not sure yet. Buying. It's 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 like the. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. How does the patience that's already the case relate to anger when it arises? There's room for it. There's room for that. We're not trying to. We're not. At, we're not at war with anger. We just notice its energy coming coming up, and so there's already uh, an open dimension that's already the case. This is probably not going to show up unless one has a very strong awareness practice. It's not something you can just try to do, try to be patient. That's a misunderstanding. And so it's it's not something you can set up and set a goal of I'm going to I'm just going to do it this way. I'm going to just be patient from now on. That's more of the 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 mundane form, the ordinary form of patience, waiting for something or uh, not some, letting something get to you, just kind of putting up with it kind of thing, which, ha of course, which is also uh, shows up also. But to go beyond that into what is being talked about here as one of the paramitas is uh, is a deeper form that doesn't have a, a quality of past and future about it. So it's a um, it's non-inferential. In other words, there's no there's no you're there without reference to some kind of a a fact about something or some kind of a concept or some kind of a construct that is a that is reinforcing your anger. That anger needs some, in order for that anger for it to continue that you're talking about, needs a past and a future. There was a past when it wasn't happening, and now it's happening. And here we go again. How many times have you said that? Not you, but anyone. How many times have we had that anger or that discontent come up, and here we are again? Or here I go again? Or here this is happening again? Now, from the point of view of this situation, what is being talked about is if you if you double load that, if you're always loading up, the inference so that you your so that your anger is valid is validated then then we, we never have a chance to understand because of the density because of the explosiveness because of the of the grasping that happens the passion aggression and ignorance that happens in that area the the whole teaching of emptiness uh is lost because it's left in uh in the other room uh in a, a bunch of footnotes in a book it's just concepts about emptiness. So the, the teaching device there called shunyata um, just remains a concept. Things are empty of what, what we think they are instead of the, the a deep meaning of that where there is, there is no solid uh, um, no, no solid subjectivity, no solid objectivity. And, and this is a, the technical word for that, as I'm sure most of you know, is soteriological or that which helps you see the truth, a teaching that helps you see fundamentally what this is, which is a shunyata. If that anger arises and it finds expression, does that mean there wasn't patience or space time? Not always. Not always. There may need to come a time and a place and a space where anger comes out, but it is it, and the expression of that is seen differently than it's ever been seen before. So this is why the teaching of uh, that that I received from my teacher uh, two words. It was a talk that I heard uh, in uh, somewhere in the 70s where uh, Trungpa Rinpoche was supposed to give a talk. And all he said was he got up and looked at everybody for about five or 10 minutes. And then he said, be genuine. He kind of yelled it. And then he got down and left. And there was about 60 or 70 people there. That was the end of the talk. And everyone kind of sat there and wondered if there was going to be any more well he had he had left already nobody explained anything that was the end of it actually that didn't happen i just made that up
You don't know, do you? Find out. Hey, I'm dying. Go ahead. If it doesn't look like. Yes. Yes. If it doesn't look like that patience is already the case, what's happening? Uh, it's being filled up by by me and the stuff around me and the people around me and the ideas and what I should have done and the memory of what happened 10 minutes ago. We're always filling up the space. Very difficult. The ego gets very lonely without supports, without some kind of uh, inference about, well, this happened. So now that's well, this is now that's happening. But it's as I think I said earlier, it's a non-inferential a non-inferential um, um, it's a non-inferential understanding that everything that is showing up is not produced. It's a it's a, a context that we witness things in that we impute or create the self that is witnessing what is apparently produced. So it's non-inferential. There's no proof there. I sometimes say all evidence is partial. Similar way of talking about it. What what is being expressed, or what I'm endeavoring to express, is how you cannot find a reference point that will produce some kind of relative patience. You can do that to some extent. You can just try to be content and try not to get irritated or upset when you see that all of the inference around you is saying, you should be upset about this because you're getting, uh, the appointment was at 10 o'clock and now it's 10.45. And of course the other kinds of impatience might be more severe where someone is fundamentally mistreating you, that's more difficult. Someone is uh, mistreating you uh, or treating you in a, in a way that is upsetting you or making you angry, um, you should look close at that. If, if, if someone is making you angry and that, that is not a Dharma gate for you, that's somebody you need to get re revenge on or you need to accuse or you need to get other people to see what a horrible person that is. You might want to go back to the first paramita, uh, Donna paramita, generosity. Start there. Tisho. Uh, is this paramita the only one which is anutpadaka? Meaning, are there other paramitas also? They all are. They're, they're all, you want to, would you like to, uh, uh, Anupadaka, would you like to give a, a definition of that Sanskrit word in your words? Uh, yeah, Anupadaka exactly means that what you said, uh, so Utpadaka is manufactured or produced. Anupadaka is not manufactured or not produced. Thank you. Uh, uh, that's uh, yeah. That's exactly I think what you are saying. It is. It's, it's well, not. It relative patience is produced. Relative dana paramita. Relative uh, um, any any of the paramitas. Of course, yeah, they're all not produced. That's why it's so difficult to see them practice them because we all start out with the training wheels mentality of well, we're going to start out this way and just try to be generous, and then at some point we because of our path because of our vow. To be with all things. Uh, eventually, we we notice something is taking over. It's like you're driving down a highway, and you, every time you look in the rearview mirror, there's nothing there. Yet something is roaring behind you. And if uh, the degree to which there's self-centeredness going on, that's the degree to which you're going to be paranoid. But when you when you when the self-centeredness is dissolving, you don't care if there's a roar or not. You are not threatened by anything. Not produced. Anutpadaka. Not produced. Anutpadaka dharmakshanti. Un, unproduced uh, dharma of patience. Questions are good. She is unbowing. You had said just a few minutes ago um, 
to maybe go back to Dana, like if you weren't ready for that? Are the, are the paramitas something that can arise sequentially or cumul yeah. cumulatively? Bowing? Well, they start out at the fifth one and go every direction. So first you've got to meditate. So meditate a lot and then you go to Dana. <laughs> Jessica Bowing. Yes. How do we work with, um, so like if, if we're just sort of impatient, whether it's got a reason or not, and then we become impatient with our impatience, how do we, how do we work with the way ego wants to set up a standard for things like patience, Bowing? Yeah, well, I think you're, you're already beginning to work with it, but just by your question, you're telling me that you're looking at that. You're willing to ask. There are a lot of people dealing with that that, that would not many have any question for me. They would just be trying to figure out how to be more patient. Whereas you're asking a question that that take that can take that uh, much deeper, and that's why we study these. That's why we practice these, and it takes a while. So sitting practice of meditation, continue continue to look at what shows up as shows up as ends up as impatient as impatient. Don't try to change it into something else. Just, just receive anything that happens. Excuse me, anything that happens, just receive. Very hard to do this. So that's how you work with it. You work with it by make friends with it. Would be a simple way of putting it. You don't have to get rid of it. You don't have to get rid of anything. If you see what, if you see the relative kind, the more mundane form of impatience, that may that may be workable for some situations. For to be impatient and then to try to be patient. Uh, this this uh, uh, transcendent form uh, is that it's uh, it's it's it doesn't have any reference to it. So you're beginning to leave you're you're beginning to leave the relative reference points of of the mundane path of getting better, improving, being a better person, being more relatively generous, being more kind. Uh, some people are totally wrapped up in appearing like they're kind. They don't realize that that's a, a form of narcissism because they're well, they're also helping people and they're being very kind and they're with people and they're they're giving up their own personal time to be to be helpful to others. I'm not saying this is wrong. Most of the world's generosity functions in a very relative tit for tat mentality. But tra but this these transcendent forms of whichever one of the paramitas. Uh, that you're discussing uh, is uh, is not about uh, so much about cause and effect or proof or some kind of relativity that where we can find proof that we're being generous or proof that we're being patient. So it's not about waiting for something, or it's not necessarily, uh, even though it's talked about this way sometimes about forgiving people. I don't I don't care for those uh, dynamics of. Uh, apologies and forgiveness maybe maybe a little bit but not much it's it, it's real easy for that to go undercover and be um narcissism kevin townley has a question kevin townley do i know him mm -hmm. is it that guy in new york the the, the yeah. singer that never sings yeah <laughs> go ahead kevin you sometimes use the metaphor of, quote, not hooking emotion up to our vocal cords, end quote. In order to go beyond relative patience, do we sometimes need to bite our tongues or sit on our hands? I, I absolutely. I think I think both. But it needs to come out of your awareness rather than out of some kind of a standard you're set up, setting up for yourself. When I say don't hook up your vocal cords, I'm just saying you could try that. You could work with that a little bit. But it needs to be an, an awareness uh, practice uh, more than just some kind of a control thing. The whole idea of control, the whole idea of demand, is it, it's it's not that it can't work a little bit temporarily, but it's mundane. So therefore, it's not going to work in every situation. And it's more about controlling the relative situation rather than just what uh, the word I like is appreciate it. Appreciate it. What does appreciate mean? It means give something the space to be what it is, no matter how gnarly it looks. I can say to every one of you bodhisattvas or potential bodhisattvas, 
Yeah, if you have negative feelings come up in your mind stream and you do anything with them other than appreciate them, you're going to add to the suffering of your own consciousness and uh, the apparent world around you. Don't do anything with it. This, the Buddha didn't say uh, life is suffering, so you, and, and here's how you get out of it. Suffering. And then he went to what? The cause of it. Struggle. So you can't just stop suffering. You have to actually acknowledge what he said. Appreciate. Appreciate what is arising in your mind stream. This hurts, or this is painful, or this is stressful, or this is, uh, produces anxiety. Be genuine. Make friends with yourself. It's not easy to do. You can do that with the, the Buddhist teaching, with the support of the, the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And you can do that with the support of wall gazing. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall. And whatever is showing up, receive it. And insofar as you can, don't produce anything. But if you do pr produce, then don't add to the production with further commentary or elaborations about that production. Have a little bit of, uh, what, do we, what should we say? What would be a good word? Maybe humility? Even if, even if the humility is a, uh, is a, uh, is, is produced. Might not be too bad of a place to start for a while. Yes. Is appreciation you mentioned a form of attitude we have towards those negative feelings? Yes. It's, yeah, an attitude of receiving. Uh, when I say sit down, hold still, and just observe or just receive whatever comes to you, this is a receiving is appreciating. Yes. Appreciation doesn't mean necessarily uh, see, seeing the relative value of something like a work of art. I mean, it has something to do with that, perhaps. But it's about actually appreciating whatever's, whatever's coming towards you, having a, a sense of uh, even welcoming or appreciating this, even if it's uh, the, the negativity that moves through your mind stream. Appreciate that you that you have a precious human birth and you're able to actually uh, see this yourself and you're you're uh, you're well favored and you stumbled into a kind of teaching that's not trying to manipulate you or get you to do anything else other than find out what find out what your fundamental value is what's fundamentally worthwhile what is fundamentally important that's a true spiritual path not belief in Buddhism not believe in anything. Belief, disbelief, or extra. You don't need them. We need some kind of form, so this is what we use, Buddhism. But Buddhism is empty of anything you think about it. Returning to patience, um, is patience necessary for us to be able to receive? And if so, um, what kind of patience is it unproduced or produced? Well, I, I think I think initially it's produced. We have to start with something. So just like starting to meditate, we have to start with being uh, receiving a whole lot of crazy ideas and feelings and emotions and memories and a karma that keeps tumbling down the ramp. <clears throat> it's like being at the bottom of a slide and somebody's throwing sand over the top. You ever done that? So it's about it's about receiving. Sure, it's it's going to show up in a in a very relative way. Initially, it takes some time to do that. We have to start just like the provisional teachings. We start with life of suffering, the cause of desire, the goal of cessation. The path is uh, uh, shila samadhi and prajna, or sit down, hold still, look at this, and then see what it is. Well, very simple, uh, simply put. And eventually, the, the Eventually, the teachings go further out on the pro pro proverbial limb to where there's less and less uh, reference point, less and less, uh, uh, less and less production or less and less um, um, inference, less and less re relationship uh, to something that proves something or holds something up. As we proceed, we go towards the conventional 
way of talking about it is shunyata, emptiness, emptiness of other. So there's a, a question by, is it Tom McCauley? Can anyone read that, please? Can you read it? Can anyone read that question? It's on, uh, maybe I can. Tom Bowing, I have, uh, people have a re resting, I don't know if it's resting. I look mad when I feel calm. Here I've got it. Okay. She's going to read it because she's calm. Because Junchu sent it to me. She could have read it. Junchu could have read it, but she's she's being selfish today. She's already done a lot to help people today, and she's cutting it right off. It's the end of that. Okay. Go ahead. Tom Bowing. I have resting jerk face. Resting jerk face in quotes. So, and, yeah, and look mad when I feel calm. People ask me if I'm angry, and I assure them I'm not. But the more equanimity I feel, the angrier I look. How to handle this silliness? Stop lying to people. And he says, since starting to sit, this happens more often. Stop lying to people. Don't lie to anybody. Stop pretending you're, uh, what's the word, equanimous? Equanimous? <laughs> Stop doing that. Be a jerk. Start with. I'm not sure what your sitting practice is, but it looks like you're getting some of your identity or some of your understanding from other people's expression and other people's comments. Um, stop talking to them. You might want to listen to them, but something else is happening there more than likely if you're concerned about what other people are thinking about how you look. I mean, if, if I was concerned about how people look, I wouldn't be able to do this. I see angry looks on people's faces all the time. He's on YouTube. Hmm? He's on YouTube. Well, I know he's on YouTube. Did you think I didn't know that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just saw his words down there. I just can't read them. Um, it is silliness. He says silliness. It is. I wouldn't do much with it. It won't last. Continue to sit. Continue to practice. Continue to train your mind to see clearly, and your the particular uh, facial expression that may come up for you is going to go through changes. And since I don't know how old you are, or how long you've been practicing, or who these uh, these people are you're hanging out with that keep evaluating your appearance, wear a mask. Yeah, wear a mask. <laughs> Contemporary humor. Further questions? We have them. Jessica, bye. Jessica. Um, the traditional teachings seem like they're full of qualities and abilities of the of bodhisattvas. And if those aren't something we can produce. It just went off. The whole screen is gone. So anybody that's on YouTube can still see me. It's coming back. There it is, but I can't reach it. So I turn the microphone on. Find it. Then you can enlarge it. So we went off for a minute. Uh, if you can, if you can hear me, wave your hand. Okay, one person, two people waved their hands. Other people are all frozen. <laughs> so where were we? Jessica. Jessica, you want to finish your question, Jessica? Jessica Bowen. If abilities and qualities like the paramitas of the bodhisattvas aren't something we can produce or, or do on purpose, how, how do we relate to those teachings when we run into them? Um, just continue. Uh, everything is uh, the the. <clears throat> there's a relative uh, teaching, which is just uh, all of those uh, paramitas have a relative uh, context to them, and just keep 
practicing, continue to practice. This is what the, the structure of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha are about. It's, it's, that's why it's called a path. It's not a destination. There's a path. So, um, you know, uh, there's no, there's no like, uh, well, after so many years, you will see this or say that. There's no, there's nothing that's going to show up that way. But I can say that uh, the, the path quality will show up as, uh, as in its relative uh, appearance until you transcend it, until you see the ultimate nature of the path. But you have to start somewhere. So start just like a child has to start by walking and learning to eat and learning to uh, jump rope and so on. So it's a, it has that kind of a quality to it. A further question about that, if you have it, I can say more about it, but I'm just saying it's, it starts out very relative. And then we, because of the sitting practice of meditation, because of the, the conceptual teachings of, uh, on emptiness, on everything being empty of other, this is, uh, and everything is uh, perception only. This is another Yogacara teaching that everything you look at is empty of what you see and is empty of the subjectivity that is viewing that. That's, that's the ultimate understanding. The relative understanding is obvious. I'm here. This is a sound. Relativity, this is what we're trapped in is the relativity. It's just that you aren't, this is, uh, this is dead or dying. As soon as it's born, it begins to die. Everything relative is coming apart. It's not nihilistic. It's just the truth. It's just true. It's relatively true. But who you are fundamentally transcends all of that. So you would start out with, of course, you're going to start out with relative uh, more mundane kinds of patience of being of kind of <clears throat> having a, uh, an ability to uh, um, uh, to not be to be less and less susceptible to anger or impatience as you go along. So those that's a relative kind that by practicing that kind happens, begins to happen. The more we practice, less likely to be taken in by our own crazy thought patterns. We see them more as empty of a self and empty of another. It might not be a conclusion, but we, we can't get in to conclude because the very nature of that kind of a truth is not relative. It's ultimate. So that's why you need to see it. That's why it's, uh, uh, it's um, 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 non-inferential. There's no proof. It's Buddha Dharma without credentials. So you actually begin to see what this is and you can't prove it. But you don't, you don't need the proof. Unless somebody asks you and will prove that you can see this. That's why the Buddha, when uh, the early teachings there, when the Buddha, the daughters of Mara or illusion came and and challenged him, said, you don't know what you're, you know, you haven't attained enlightenment. You haven't attained anything. Prove it. Prove you see the fundamental nature of reality. And he, and it's called Sparsha Mudra. He reached down and drove his fingers into the dirt and said, this earth is my witness. But he didn't, he didn't need, I mean, he didn't even need that. That's just a teaching gesture more than anything. But what he's saying is this is, you don't need something else. There isn't anyone else. I'm not saying there aren't separate bodies, of course. And the more you believe in that and think you are a body, then it's going to be, going to be difficult, especially when death comes without warning. Death comes with a, what, a 10-minute warning? And then that 10 minutes will not be easy unless you realize who this is and what this is. And I'm not saying you'll be tickled to death about it particularly, but it, it will not be terrifying. It'll just be the truth. I think Yumei is in, it looks like that's uh, Karmi Choling in his... Uh, Look at all those red cushions. I haven't been there in 30 years. Well, maybe 25 years. Further questions if you have them. No? We can end early if you want. If you have questions, I'll try to respond either way.
from a relative understanding from an absolute to an absolute, is it gradual or can you jump? I, I don't think you can jump because I think you need to see what it is. So uh, not doing much of anything, uh, but just observing, just receiving and have a, uh, an endeavor to appreciate anything that arises, endeavor to appreciate that, receive that, even if it smells, just appreciate the quality of, of your life, of whatever's showing up in your life, be it uh, someone that's giving you difficulty, especially someone who's giving you some difficulty or challenging you to be able to see that, to see deeply that they're, they're doing that because they're suffering. And this is the way a lot of people get out of their suffering, just like the if we've watched the so-called leaders in our country or the world leaders, all of the people are, if they get a little bit of power, they immediately get rid of their suffering by blaming others and throwing it on others. And this allows them to see, uh, feel temporarily superior um, or powerful or whatever. It's, it's pretty astonishing, but it's uh, all over the place. Even it's even with people who are, uh, who are, um, um, basically or relatively sane they'll do the same thing blame others for for how they feel it just creates a strong circularity and all i'm saying is don't do anything with it other than observe train your mind sit down face the wall study the teachings connect with the the three jewels the buddha the dharma and the sangha and and continue to uh, to practice and train your mind to see clearly if there's no guarantee that you can awaken um, as chungpa rinpoche once said you may not awaken, but at least you'll stop be being a nuisance to everyone. He was such a clever fellow. How do you have an attitude of appreciation towards negative things? Pra practice, uh, practice with your own mind. Sit down. As you've heard me say hundreds, thousands of times, sit down, hold still, and watch the movement of the mind. And that's the, that's how you train yourself because there's plenty of negative things in your mind, negative thoughts, emotions, just bad feelings. That's what you need to practice on. Maybe you don't have too many, but it doesn't matter. If you look at your mind long enough, you will. And eventually that when that comes up, do nothing with it. No comment. This is training the mind, no comment, so that whatever happens in the mind, it's like the mind doesn't even belong to you anymore. It actually never belonged to you, but you, you think you have thoughts. And uh, uh, sometimes I think it was Stephen Batchelor wrote a book, Thoughts Without a Thinker. I'm not sure how helpful that is, but the concept is interesting. It's, there is a thinker, but it's the thinker is unreal. Uh, the thoughts are unreal, but sometimes they're just pretty horrifying or pretty painful or difficult or challenging or produce anxiety and, and we worry and then we collect the thoughts and we add on our thoughts to the thoughts and, and it just becomes a everything becomes contaminated with ideas and conceptions and conclusions and exclusions it's just a, a labyrinth of of uh samsara it's everything is spinning and throwing off sparks and what you can do is since you're not separate from anything, is sit down, hold still, and train your mind to see. Make friends with yourself. In other words, allow the negativity to come and go all at once. And when I say allow, you don't do much. You just stop pushing and pulling or explaining it. Don't explain anything. And so that's where you train yourself. So then when you get up off the cushion later in what we uh, say is post-meditation, then then there's a might be a, maybe more suffering, maybe more difficulty, but a lot more openness to what people, what is happening with people, what people are saying, what they're doing, and also your responses or the things that are triggered in you, you're more able to see that those are unreal. They have a reality, but the reality, I sometimes use the idea of a, it's like a horror show. You know, it's a movie, but it's still, it's hard to watch because they're zombies. Zombies are coming and they're going to do bad things. So we know it's a movie, but it's really hard to watch it. Or maybe you don't have trouble with that, but I do. So it's about, simply put, it's about practicing and work work with the, the, um, the actual negativity of your own mind stream. That's why meditation is so effective over time. 
is but because you you're actually preparing yourself to get up and go in and act as a a so-called separate being in the world but since you've been practicing to work with what arises in your mind stream you go out and see that what is out there is same thing it's still things arising in your mind stream they just look separate Have a, a couple of minutes if you have any further questions about patience, Kashanti, or about anything else for that matter at this point, whatever you want to ask about, if you have something. How can we be patient with our anger, Bowie? So, If that anger is showing up on the cushion, uh, like you're there and you're, you're having it there, then uh, see if you can observe the texture, the feeling of the anger without abandoning that, abandoning that to go into its cause. Even though the cause just happened 20 minutes ago. See if you can go with the texture of the anger. It's like sticking your nose uh, in a... Uh, in a difficult situation, something that doesn't smell very good. It's just like, go into the texture of it. Feel the anger of it. Feel the frustration of it. That's where the, that's where the understanding is. It's not in the cause. It's not in the, the proof that you have a right to feel angry, which is the way um, uh, impatience, the whole care, uh, care, uh, situation of relative impatience happens. We get angry because this didn't happen to that, or this won't, this isn't happening. They're doing this. I don't like it. And this is upsetting me. And I am, if you go into the, the story about it, it'll just be circular because then you are a actually taking the whole um, um, the whole fabrication of uh, this cause, this cause, this cause, this, and you're just buying into the whole thing. You're trying to fix it by eliminating the apparent cause when uh, the cause is, is your mind. No one dumped anger into you. Your, your 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 situation is is a reacting to something else. So go to the texture of it. Go to the flavor, the feeling, the taste. Use another sense if you can. Maybe maybe even use a use a visual a visual sense. Close your eyes and see if you can see what the anger looks like. See it. Does it look like? Um, does it have a geometrical shape to it? Does it have a texture? Does it look like arrows? Does it look like uh, lightning? So maybe using some of the other senses to help you enter into the texture of the emotion itself. The emotion is can be very overwhelming. That's how I got into this situation is because intense rage. I still have it. Not, it's not, that energy is not, I didn't meditate away the shape of my head. I didn't meditate away my karma. It just doesn't happen to an individual. You may think there's somebody here, uh, but I don't. I don't even think there's somebody there. Maria Bowing, is uh, anger a sign of impatience? Yes, <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get really, really pissed off if I don't get my way right away. I mean, I want it right now. Ask her. <laughs> I couldn't hear you. No. I said, ask her. No, I said, yes, I get angry. We get angry and we're, and we're impatient. But it's not about stopping that. I mean, it's, it's really not about never getting angry or always being patient. It's about seeing clearly what that's about. And how do we do that? The way we do it here is sitting practice of meditation. Find out who you are deeply. Find out, find out who this is. Find out who this person is. It just went off again. So I'll come back and I'll say goodbye. Okay.
So there they are. There you are. All right, I fixed it. So if there's no final questions, we can, uh, in the monastery, we can dedicate the merit and, and close this evening's, um, whatever this is. I did have one more question. Um, Go right ahead. If something negative comes up, whatever it may be, and we endeavor not to add anything to it, can we tell the difference between it just... Did we lose Sokazana again? No, I'm here. Oh, it, my internet might be bad too. Um, can we tell the difference between it fading away as it naturally would and us looking away from it or us shutting down on it bowing I wouldn't go there uh, because that's a that's a knot if you if you, the intellect will take you in there and you can spin around in there for weeks months maybe even years about trying to figure trying to calculate getting ahead falling behind getting a little bit further ahead and then falling behind don't do it don't do it just watch what moves and if there's any uh intellection or any uh uh, thinking or analysis that needs to uh, show up, you won't be able to help it. But if you can, keep it to a minimum. Don't add. Don't do anything unless you have to, including think. Thinking thinking's way overrated. The only people that think thinking is good is people who think a lot. Okay, let's do the, the dedication and the and pray to all the light beings. Pray the mirror of this penetrate to all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. directions of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Vajra, Paramita. Bodhisattvas, the ten directions of the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. Our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors, heal everyone who's unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with life. Thank you very much.